Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight on our live stream. My sweet brother, dear friend, fellow pastor. Uh, we were separated at birth. I think we figured that out. Yeah, yeah, somewhere along the line. And I dressed up tonight thinking you'd go clergy, and then you dressed up all Calvary Chapel. Great minds. I just put on a chef's shirt and put a coat on, so I wanted you to make, you know, I wanted to look clergy for you. Well, I, I wanted to dress down so I could be... <laughs> Like the Romans here. All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, tonight, uh, this is going to be a really interesting program tonight, and I am so blessed. You, you came all the way from the Midwest to join us, and you had some business out here because you, sadly, you had to officiate a funeral. In the morning and another one Friday. We're going to talk about that, and these are all COVID-related. and One of them. One are, of them, yeah. but, but we're going to talk about how right. we've both been affected by COVID. But more importantly, uh, the last couple nights, especially as I did Jonathan Mayhew's sermon, and then I went through uh, Elizabeth Newman's article with Politico and addressing the, the conflating of white supremacy, QAnon, um, insurrectionists, uh, conspiracy theorists, and she lumps that in with evangelical Christians. And I, I'm troubled by it. We'll cover that tonight, but I, I, I'm blessed because of the fact that you and I, and, and we did this right after the Capitol riots. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so you and I are on different political spectrums in, in many regards. Yeah. But we are believers. We love the word. We believe it, the inerrant, true gospel. And we love Jesus Christ. We believe in the Trinity. We hold to the essentials of the Christian faith. Yes. That's what knits our heart together. Absolutely. And it's always been that way. And so tonight, we wanted folks to see Brothers Working It Out. You're the one who coined the title, <laughs> Brothers Working It Out. I don't think I can pass with that one because I, I was thinking something you know, along the lines of a Jonathan Mayhew sermon, the discourse, unlimited submission, and non I'm, I'm, You just came up with a simple... I'm, I'm not that deep. You just laid it out there. But you did it. I mean, you, you just... You, I, I say in a... I can, I can say in a paragraph what you can accomplish in a sentence. <laughs> so we are literally going to work this out, and we probably won't come to a conclusion, but one of the things I, I'm, 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 of many that I'm grateful for is we, we hit, not physically, but, but we hit Absolutely. intellectually, and at times it affects us emotionally yeah. as we went back and forth with the text. Um, but it never affects us as far as our love for each other and our friendship. And, and this is what America needs to understand. Yes. Uh, we're, we're finding unity not at the expense of truth, but at the emphasis of it. And we contend for that. Absolutely. And sometimes that's hard. Yes. And the iron sharpening iron, it's grinding. Right, right. Well, you know, the whole night, um, a dynamic of truth's definition you know, it is an objective, eternal standard, which is standard, and here's the key, to all reasonable people. Okay. I heard someone, I heard someone say, common sense is no longer common. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, people, they get unreasonable, and there are so many, um, there are so many nuances, and there are so many angles that the enemy challenges us or backs us into a corner based upon our own subjectivism to see things through that uh, it can sometimes make us unreasonable and and I, and I think that when people who are number one intellectually honest and and who be, and who are reasonable somehow find a way to find common ground and that's how America, uh, has survived all of these years, you know the tension, the back and forth, the the understanding that I don't know it all, and the arrogance of some who who find themselves backed into a corner, wind up by themselves because there's this, the the spirit of humility brings us to a point where it forces us to listen and it challenges us to take a look at ourselves because none of us are perfect. This whole fiasco over the last few years, the last few years from the George Floyd uh, fiasco to the fiasco uh, in Washington a few, few weeks ago, um, it's just, 
tensions it, it, rising. Yeah, yeah. And you, you said something. You said in humility. I think the reason why our relationship has stood the test of time, and really, when you talk about context, and and you use a term, you say for your truth, but you also know truth is not subjective, but context Absolutely. is. Yes. Yeah. And a person's frame of reference right. is, is and their, their, their history, their reality. That, that's their reality from an uh, experiential perspective. But God, God... And that, and that can sometimes override facts. Exactly. Yeah. And, and God... You know, Many times. God navigates circumstances, and he, he, but he is not, he is not um, ossified to our experience. His, his truth, the objective, foundational truth of God uh, cannot be submissive, cannot, cannot be subordinate. That's what I'm looking subordinate. for. It cannot be subordinate to, to his word. And that's where humility comes in and the sense of submission. That's why Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. You got deeper than, than I, I could possibly go on that explanation. I was, I was going real simple. I was just going to say that one of, one of the reasons why we come from separate context and experience, but, but the reason why we always seem to get along so well is because I know you love me. Absolutely. I don't have a friend like you uh, that calls me at the most critical seasons of my life because the Lord has told them to. And you are uncanny in that ability. And, and I, I haven't returned your calls, and there's no judgment, because you know I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. And when I do pick up that call, because it's there, it is so timely, and you just, you, you don't say, I always start by going, I'm so sorry I didn't call you back. Go, I'm not calling for that. You always say, I'm calling to see how my brother's doing. Absolutely. And, 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 and my, you, and my you, call... I've got I to I, okay. I gotta interrupt you. Okay. You have no idea how much that ministers to me. Bless you. I love you. No, it's I love you with steroids. <laughs> but my call to you was born out of... Um, many times when, when things happen, when I see, I watch things happen, happening and unfolding in the news... I, I call you not to vent, but I call you to try and garner understanding and to uh, make sure that relationships, that our relationship is not affected by what's going on peripherally. Yeah, so that we don't live in an echo chamber. Exactly. and and. The only way, one of the reasons for even this conversation tonight is that um, we hear all the voices and the echoes that are going on, but it's so important that, um, that reasonable people, clear-thinking, clear-minded people that authentically love each other can speak their truth in love. And When you say their truth, qualify it. Well, speak the truth in love, yeah, yeah. you know, but but be intellectually honest in in in, in the same flow of right. the conversation, Amen. yeah. Uh, to to because uh, we push, we push each other on facts, absolutely. Yeah. And and you're much smarter than me. Not I true. mean, you, you you got all of you. you do nose, all the, your you, nose is going to grow. You, Stop you, it. You do all Stop this it. research. Pinocchio. And you Stop have it. all of the. Uh, uh, I just print stuff out. The academic it. stuff. No, I don't. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, keep moving. I don't. I don't. But it, but it, it's 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 a it's a great starting place. Amen. And somebody has to do it. So. You're also the finest preacher I've ever heard. With all due respect, you're prejudiced, but I'll take it. That's a good prejudice. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's let's not bore the folks to death with our love fest. All right. All right? Um, let, let's let's show them what tension looks like. Um, the Capitol riots. Others would say it's insurrection, and and we could even sit and go days on that. You and me. Yeah. yeah. I I read this last night, and I don't want to go through our text string, but usually when we talk, it's a lot easier. Text does not convey. Oh, no. It, no. It, it's terrible no. in conveying no. emotion. No. And a misunderstanding, and 
And I, and I got a little testy, uh, I'll admit, in my text. Like, I've, I never did this to you. Why are you, remember that? Right. Yeah. And you understood. You rolled with it. You were sweet. <laughs> well, not. All right. So, so these are the, the let, let's, let's put some opposing uh, experiential contexts together. Okay. And the folks that are, are tuning in are, are going to uh, grab onto one of these. Okay. Or maybe both of them. Or maybe be, you know, upset, like fervently angry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is good. Let's do it. All right. All right. In one corner, you have riots connected to protests against police violence, especially the appalling death of George Floyd and the more complicated shooting of Jacob Blake that destroyed businesses and cities across the country. This caused upwards of a billion dollars in damage and if passed as uh, precedent, the places that suffered the riots will take years to recover economically. Somewhere around 20 people died in response. Some media outlets ran stories about how effective rioting is. And a liberal data analyst lost his job for tweeting a study finding that riots are actually politically counterproductive. As for the cops' reactions, there are images of officers kneeling in solidarity with protesters, but also examples of unjustified aggression against peaceful demonstrators. And police killed a man armed with several guns in Las Vegas. And, of course, the knee on the neck of George Floyd. Yeah. In the other corner, you have the storming of the nation's capital, the legislature, which interrupted the counting of electoral college votes on false grounds that the election was stolen. I didn't write this. You didn't write this. Right. This is an article. Folks sure. are going to take issue with it. That's what we're trying to do, right? Right, right. <clears throat> false grounds that the election was stolen. Five people died, including a police officer, and the building was ransacked. And things could have gotten much worse. Two explosive devices were found nearby, and some rioters had zip ties. The president himself urged his supporters to walk to the Capitol and failed to aggressively condemn the assault as it took place. But few journalists on either side of the political spectrum made excuses for what happened. There's uh, abundant video of the crowd assaulting police officers, and the cops used tear gas and killed one woman as she climbed through a window to the speaker's lobby. Yet some videos appear to show cops opening doors for the invaders and taking selfies with them. And by all accounts, law enforcement was disturbingly outmanned. So I, I, I heard one of those. I took offense to it. You probably heard part of it and took offense to it. I mean, there's, there's stuff that triggers us. Yeah. I hate that word trigger, but that's, that's a reality. Well, there's an emotional stimuli that goes along with stuff like that. But, but that's, a, that's a good depiction of what happened with you and me. Yeah. Because you called me and said, do you agree with this? And, and I put it into my context, which was, it's like the uh, BLM riots, good people being overrun by Antifa and being caught up in it. You said not the same thing. Absolutely not. And, and immediately it's our context, right? right? We just, and and that's, that's where we start to go for it. Well, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the... The, the whole, from where I sit yep. and from my experience, um, I saw both situations. Um, at the end of the day, much of it is about race in America. And I think, I think when we come to terms with that and 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 speak to you you take most of the internal conflicts that America's had with race through the years um, it has heightened tension from slavery to reconstruction post reconstruction the civil rights movement uh, the the flip flop after the civil rights movement of the parties where, uh, in a passive way, uh, black people have been affected by the policies of the country. And, the, and, and I think the ultimate frustration is that um, for those who live in their heads or in their hearts under the cloud of oppression can only see that. The, the, uh, many cannot... Um, could care less about the loftier things that uh, are uh, germane to um, 
the doctrines of the scripture or even the doctrines that make America what it is, most people cannot get past their own experience. You know, when, 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 when my son was killed by the Alameda County Sheriff, I didn't want to hear any facts. I didn't want to hear any explanations. I didn't want to hear any justifications or why. All I knew is that that white officers or those white officers could have found another way to de-escalate the situation. And I would be the first one to say that he is not perfect. But if he had been a white boy in that same circumstance, the outcome would have been different. And, and that, in that vacuum, until that's addressed honestly with sensitivity, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to intellectualize those, those sort of things. And, and until, and, 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 when, and when that happens, I think that uh, God can uh, allow people's minds and hearts to become more open uh, to truth and, and to reconcile with each other. And um, so, I mean, Ecle uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes that, you know, there are endless books, there are endless texts, there are endless arguments that support whichever end of the spectrum uh, either biblically or spiritually, theologically, because from my vantage point, doctrine is, sub is objective, theology is subjective. But until we come to, that could go on and on. But at the end of the day, people's, people have to be reconciled in their hearts. And so when Paul talks about reconciliation in the fifth chapter of Second Corinthians, he, he starts that narrative by talking about the love of Christ constrains us. It, it challenges us. It, it, you know, when I picked up the phone to call you, it was my love for God and my love for you that constrained me Amen. to not stew in the juice of that situation. Amen. And, 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 and that's why, Rob, those of us who pastor people and who preach and teach to them every week, uh, we, we have to take that responsibility serious to challenge them to love unconditionally. You know, my love for you is greater than my political persuasion. My love for you is more, is more important than uh, being one up on somebody, you know. And, and there's something about what Paul says that it constrains me, it challenges me, it, it motivates me to seek resolution. And that's what it's all about. I mean. I got you. I got you. Loved it. Deeply blessed. You said this idea that at the end of the day, politics takes a back seat for that reconciliation. And, and I, I want to give you context, perspective. Okay. okay. Um, you started out by describing racism in America, the immense pain of your son. And I've sat with you and I've seen the tears. I've seen you have to revisit that. And we've had intimate conversations about the details of it. Um, you, you've had nothing but empathy and sympathy from me. You know that, that I'm sickened by it. You know how I felt yeah. about the George Floyd. Yeah. You, yeah. you know I've held about all of that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a line from me. I refuse to be labeled systemically racist. I can't control this. Right. It's an immutable trait. I do what I do because I long to understand and be reconciled. Yeah. I contend for political positions because I have seen from my studies when you describe as you went through the history of black America, 
you know I'm a history major. You, right, you, right. You gave me all kinds of kudos. I, I, I look at the black American community as a ping pong ball between two parties that has played them for political benefit. And my greatest concern is that that would continue regardless of what party's doing it. And you've heard me say this, conservatives don't look at racism clearly or, or take it serious enough. And liberals seek to benefit and profit from it. Yeah. I'm almost done. Let me, no, I gotta build I'm, I'm, this no, so you can no. process with yeah, me. I, I got you. Here's my greatest concern. The thing you and I have in common of greatest importance, because there's there's no color in relation to this. There's right. there's no issue about an immutable trait on this one. Right. There's no issue about our socioeconomic standing. We're one in Christ. Yeah. That is the authority. Absolutely. We're one in Christ. Absolutely. My biggest concern about, and, and this is why I contend politically, is because I love you. My biggest concern is that what's been going on in America with this attempt in the black community to use them as a pawn and watching the birth rate decline, watching the abortion, at, yeah, I've yeah. covered that with you. Yeah. Four and a half percent of the population responsible for 40% of the abortions. Birth rate is flatlined. It's a holocaust in the black community. I'm, I'm, I'm sickened by it. I share all that with you, but now we're at a place where the term you and I embrace, evangelical Christians, is now being conflated with white supremacy, insurrection, and violence. And in this article, I haven't gotten to it yet, but she's the head of Homeland Security. I covered it in a couple, and the folks who've watched know what I'm speaking of. All those terms in this article by a, a high-ranking official at Homeland Security through a major news organization, Politico, has now lumped me into. And I, I'm, I'm just, I, 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 I can't buy that because it's detrimental to the entirety of the body of Christ. Sure, sure. I a thousand percent agree. Let, let me let me tackle a couple of things. First of all, uh, the no, I don't believe anybody who's reasonable would um, denigrate you attitudinally because you're white. Oh, that's happened. Yeah, but they're wrong. Yeah, you can't. No, no, we were born this way. We had nothing to do with it. Nothing I can do with it. With respect to systemic racism, it, it, I th the, the challenge for most black people is the starting point, uh, the, the systems and the structures that are set up that um, there's always this catch up. There's the, the where, where we start um, and, and the whole dynamic of power and control and even from from uh, from slavery um, we were promised 40 acres and we didn't get the 40 acres and we still don't have the Mercedes Benz or the truck or the F-150 the, the mule we, and it, it never happened and so there was always and and power concedes nothing you know, uh, we were we were we were brought over here against our will. Uh, we were freed um, because of a political dynamic, and we, for some reason, could never get to that place. Um, the the, the I, I'll never forget I, one experience I had. I um, was working for the great. Southern Life Life Insurance Company. And um, man, I thought I was doing it. I had made million dollar round table and I was doing it, man. Uh, 20, I was 22 years old, had made my second year a million dollar round table and all of a sudden, I get a letter, this contract is canceled. And I said, you know, what's the deal? Um, my production was up. I was fourth in the company. 
So I got on the plane with my hotshot self. I fly to Houston to speak with the VP. He tells me this contract can be canceled with or without cause. So I kept contending with him, and I said, well, you know, I said, okay, I, I'm not going to work for you anymore. I said, but at least tell me what I did wrong. T tell me what I did wrong. So I won't do it. I mean, I'm just asking you as, as uh, a young man to a senior statesman, tell me what I did wrong. Because it's not fair to just cancel my contract. He says, whoever told you life was fair? A tear went down my face. And I walked out. That was, Rob, the last secular job I held. Because I felt as though, at that moment, I felt as though that the structure was of such that I could be the best performer in the company and hit that glass ceiling. Systemic, that's what I'm talking about. That's what most of us talk about when we talk about systemic racism, that the, con the, the control dynamics I understand that, yeah. that, that are in place are literally insurmountable until there are people who do our bidding. True equality and reconciliation and, and even-handed justice as well as political development, of political progress can only become a reality when people like you who are loving and fair, because we've talked about this on many occasions, Rob, that no system, no political party is any better than the people who operated? Yeah, it's, they're just platforms, and and, and that's right. why, that's why what we do, as pastors and as churches, is so important because we factor in something that the world cares nothing about. Amen. All right, that's a lot to unpack. So let me ask you a couple questions. You basically went into that office and they canceled you. based on the immutable trait of the color of your skin? Absolutely not my performance. Certainly not my performance. What if you were canceled for your political views? I wasn't political back then. Uh, yeah, it could have been. But would you consider that as heinous? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so this, this is an evil that can morph itself from attacking someone with prejudice based on an immutable trait or political ideology. Right. Just like that. Absolutely. That's the evil of man. And, and, and we can take that, and how does one become a child molester? <laughs> He's unchecked. He's no, 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 no. Most times, they were victims. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not overcomers or they don't process that, they become victimizers. Yeah. The reason why a man who was beat up by a white gang, whose son was killed by white officers, raised in a black community in Stockton, is, I would say, best friends. With a white boy from Coronado, I was a marshmallow raised in milk, <laughs> right? Is we don't put up with that in any form. And it can morph itself. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, my biggest fear is you're not a victim. Oh, no. But that can creep oh. into every community. Yeah. And one of the things in this article that Elizabeth Newman pointed out is that when people were put on lockdown, they... Um, it, it, it created an atmosphere where they were prone to violent behavior because of the stress factors that came with losing their job, losing their loved one, losing their identity, losing their community, uh, and, and all that they had leveled and feeling as though the, 
the government was overreaching, and this weaponized a realm of people. When the election was over, the first sermon I gave to the congregation is, we're more than conquerors. Yeah. We, we, God's not up in heaven going, oh my gosh, what happened? Right, right. You, you all bought pillows and watch Fox News. I, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> How in the world? Right? Yeah. You, you've got to be that instrument in the community where prejudice is being experienced to say, Enough. we're not victims. Right. We're going to change the world. Yeah. My biggest concern is when we use the government as the instrument for that change, it usurps the church's authority. And the reason why we rely on the government to instigate that change is because the church isn't doing it. I agree. And when you break that glass, you create a monster you can't get back in the box. You know, there was Work a, with me on that thought. There was a, um, an article that I uh, ran into because, as I said earlier, you got to talk louder and be more, because they're going to fall asleep on I'm you. sorry. As I said earlier. And you can talk to me, because no, no, I, I didn't no, no, no system is any better than the people who operate it. And, and people are people. There are Republicans right now. I, am, I, I, would, I would vote for a Democrat before I'd ever vote for them yeah, again. Yeah. And that's, that's from a staunch Republican. Exactly. And, and because we're flawed. Yeah. Our sin nature. Well, and, but I feel betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. But um, politics, we, but, is, politics uh, is done by addition and multiplication, not by division and subtraction. And the broader you work in trying to understand human hearts, that, that tent gets big. Yeah. And this is what's critical. A preacher who, his name is uh, John Rutledge, wrote a letter in January of 21. Uh, I'm not going to read it, but it, it, he wrote it to uh, Pastor McKissick. Yeah, he's Dwight's in trouble. They're picking on him. They're messing yeah, with him. Yeah. I, I, I did a couple of events with. Yeah, yeah. With and him. I'm saying, and he, he he supported Hillary, and I I didn't like that. But hey, he's my brother. I don't but, I, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. but but to uh, when I say brother, I mean in Christ. Yeah, right, right. But for to send that kind of letter with such venom to him was just just horrible. And, 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 and if we're pastors, we're preachers, we're leaders, and we guide people through the scripture, and, and we denigrate and we, and we exacerbate yeah, pe social reality, you know, people social aren't the People aren't the enemy, they're the opportunity. Exactly. And sometimes that's just hard for me to stomach. Because I say it all the time, and then I have to go and live it. Yeah, yeah. And God shows me there are some, and it's not easy. Really challenging people. Yeah, it's hard out here for a pimp. You're not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's take a look at a couple of things because I want to, I want to avoid policy per se because we could spend, you know, we could talk about abortion, we could talk about the the riots, insurrection, which you know, we could talk about all that for days. I want to get to fundamental principles of the nation in which we live to see if this nation conceived in liberty can long survive under the birth certificate and the articles it was conceived and created to do. Right. Um, and, and here we are in, in a really critical moment in the history of our country where we know the virus is deadly to a segment of people. Um, we, we know co comorbidities, 65 and older. We, we have the numbers. We have the data. We see how it works. We have, and you said you got the vaccine. I'm like, Broderick, I got frustrated with you, didn't I? I said, you need to listen to our broadcast on that. Seriously. But I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up on that later. But here we are. We both pastor congregations. You've lost over a dozen, yes. you were saying. Yeah, Absolutely. And and I, I can and some of my dearest friends. It's 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 a reality, man. That that hit me in a way that has made me. Um, it's, it's changed my life. It's it's changed 
the mood of our congregation is just... It's depressing. Yeah, it's um, strange what, what, melancholy. It, it, is, is your congregation older, younger? Older. Older. Older congregation. So it, it, it went through. And was it because you didn't practice social distancing? Because no, no. you guys weren't even no, open. No, 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 no. <clears throat> None of those people who passed contracted the virus in our church. That's the it, same with us, the, the, yeah, with the exception was, of, no, I think it's all of them. Yeah, because what we do is um, our band uh, there in the sanctuary, a handful, cause the church seats about maybe 800 people, but we have about maybe 25 in the, in, in the yeah. spread out. And I preach basically to an empty church. We do live stream, you know, Facebook, and we have an FM radio apparatus, and they hear it in the parking lot. So we, we've done our part yeah. to, to try and, and mitigate it. But I, I've had seasons as a pastor for 20 years here where we've lost more people to pneumonia than we have from COVID. But I, I would say our church has grown like 350%. And I can count on one hand the number of deaths. Yeah. Uh, and in our county, I think we may have surpassed 700 deaths in a county of 856,000. Right. And, and, and all that is tragic. I mean, it, it's hit home. We, and we, we haven't dismissed the, the severity of the virus, but we certainly are addressing what the governor did under these lockdown orders in addressing the church yeah. as non-essential. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a real, that's a real uh, tension and, and challenge. Well, it's a violation of, of his oath of office. From, from, from our experience... I think many people died in our community as a result of, because of COVID, but uh, the disparities Depression. in, in, in health care, yeah. you know, not having access and not t being able to go to a doctor to know what the devil is going on. that's your community. Yeah. And, and, and so... Is it, is, it, is it, I haven't been there, it's your new church, is it a little more impoverished in that area? Yeah. Yeah, we, we are these uh, folks pensioners or what? What are no, no, they're you know just regular everyday workaday people. Okay, and and uh, um, uh, I have an older congregation. My predecessor uh, uh, pastored the church for fifty two years. Okay, he started when Colonel Sanders was a corporal, <laughs> and his family is still there. He fell off, he fell off his dinosaur and broke know, his wooden underwear. Man, I know he's been there forever, <laughs> but just. Loving people, yeah. the, the family uh, has been very supportive and loving and consistent. But but my assistant pastor, he, he didn't die of COVID, but I lost him. But I lost my trustee mm. uh, because of because of COVID, and that that was and, that, and he was just a jewel of a guy. Did did you guys look into alternative medications, uh, prophylaxis to, to give to the congregation to have access to? You and I need to talk because no, because uh, we we avoided a, a I mean you think about it, our church three hundred fifty percent and and you contrast that with the the deaths you've experienced and the deaths we've experienced I mean we were proactive in making sure that folks had uh, HCQ and had access to it and uh, Z packs and if they you know needed to get a prescription for prednisone or budesonide or you know all these different treatments we we were on that. Yeah. Well, we didn't have access to all that. Well, if you'd called me, I could have given you a hotline. And now I feel terrible. But we're surviving. Amen. Yeah, we're doing good. Well, you said something interesting to me. You said you sent a letter because you were frustrated that if the governor doesn't think we're essential. Oh, can I read it? Yeah, yeah. I was oh, moved yeah. by that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this is, this is different political perspectives because I'm saying... Uh, the way you're addressing it, I would have never have even thought of that. But mine is, hey, it's not your authority to say the church can't be open, especially right. when we've had the largest number of opioid deaths in the history of the country in the last 12 months. Did you know that? No. In the history of the United States, the largest amount of opioid deaths in the history of the country in the last 12 months. Wow. you got to pick it up here. Come on. Okay, okay. This is okay. live television. Here, here, here it is. Okay, okay. Here we are. Okay, here we are. Oh, no, wrong letter, wrong letter. It's going off like a lead balloon. Wrong letter. It's going off like a lead balloon. <laughs> no. They're going to cancel us. 
Oh, wait, it's my show. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. You just are. had it. I know. Can't you just... Oh, you got it? Yeah, I got it. All right, come on. Here we go. No, you don't have it. Here we are. Okay, got it. Doom, doom, doom. There we are. Okay, here we go. Um, my heart is... Uh, who'd you write it to? I wrote it to the uh, health... Uh, Officer. Officers. Okay. Uh, my heart is aching because many of my pastor colleagues have died while exercising their pastoral duties. This has caused me great consternation and sleepless nights. Thus, this has led me to communicate my concerns with you now. As most know, COVID-19 has adversely changed our way of life. Even as pastors, we must continue to serve our vulnerable community and provide godly wisdom to our congregants. The church is still very much viewed as a spiritual support system to, to many. With that in mind, we believe that it is imperative during this great time of global pandemic that our pastors and spiritual leaders must be able to continue to provide the support, uh, the support needed to support our churches and community at large. During these uncertain times, the tenets that we have placed upon the demands that we have placed upon our, our clergy are exponential. Support that is provided to the church and community, not but not limited to, are as follows. Officiating weddings, funerals, visiting membership, in hot, uh, visiting members, uh, patients in hospitals and other health facilities, providing in-person counseling, preparing and delivering meals to the elderly, providing grief counseling and chaplaincy services. Despite COVID-19, these services are much needed and must continue to be provided for our vulnerable citizens. Pastors, chaplains, and other spiritual leaders must not waver in these duties. But now more than ever, the community and churches de depends on these religious leaders just as they have for decades. Did you get a response? No. Yeah. No. Good letter. No, I'm, I'm just lobbying for the other pastors. I, I, I just wouldn't leave. I just wouldn't leave, and she told me, well, we're going to let you in, but don't tell nobody. So I, I got my vaccine because I wanted to. You mean your therapeutic? My therapeutic, whatever you call it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're limited on time. We're going to come to the top of the hour, and I okay. want to walk you through this, and I want to get your thoughts on okay. it. Because I, I taught it last night, but I'm going to skim over it because I want to challenge uh, what I perceive to be tyrannical, as you're addressing the health officer, and we're addressing our health officer, and we're addressing the governor, and we're watching a government that we've relied on to be the solution to whatever problem has now gone to a place where they're now telling us we're non-essential. And it's a violation of the oath of office that they swore to when they governed by our consent. And, and I'm concerned for the future of the church in the United States of America. And I want to introduce you to a man that influenced Reverend King, okay. and this is uh, Jonathan Mayhew. Okay. So, um, check it out. Here's the screen up here, and I want to read it to you. Jonathan Mayhew, 1720 to 1776. He got his Doctorate of Divinity from Harvard in 1747, okay. and he was ordained a congregational minister, and he pastored the West Church in Boston until his death in 1766. So he didn't even live long enough to uh, see the Revolutionary War or the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But you see in the middle there, it says a discourse. 19 years. Uh, the, the sermon in the middle, a discourse concerning unlimited submission and non-resistance uh, to higher powers with some reflections on the resistance made to King Charles I and on the anniversary of his death. And it's a study on Romans 13. Okay. Th those are the titles they gave to their sermons back then, wordy. Uh, let's take a look at the next, uh, if we could. Folks saw it last night, but this is one of his quotes. I thought it was really cool. He says, The king is as much bound by his oath not to infringe the legal rights of the people as the people are bound to yield subjection to him. From whence it follows that as soon as the prince sets himself above the law, he loses the king in the tyrant. Mm. He does, to all intents and purposes, unking himself. 
Jesus never unkings himself, right? Absolutely not. Uh, it was said of Jonathan Mayhew that according to John Adams, born of the presidency of the United States, I think second, he said, a, a transcendental genius who threw all the weight of his great fame into the scale of the country in 1761 and maintained it there with zeal and ardor till his death. He was also, as J. Patrick Mullins contends, and this is the book he wrote, and I want everyone to read it, the most politically influential clergyman in the 18th century America and the intellectual progenitor of the American Revolution in New England. Mm. This guy started it all. He was a revolutionary. Let's keep going. I'll, I'll blow through this real fast because it's coming to the top of the hour. Uh, it, the author, Mullins, said, if the principles of the Declaration were indeed self-evident for most New Englanders in 1776, this was due in no small part to the exertions of the West Church pastor who preached these principles with fiery eloquence and forceful logic in the transatlantic press um, in those nine years, uh, 19 years. As pastor of the Congregational West Church in Boston, Mayhew championed the principles of natural rights, constitutionalism, and the resistance to tyranny in press and pulpit, he did more than any other clergyman to prepare New England for disobedience to British authority in the 1760s and should, Mullins argues, be counted alongside such framers and fomenters of revolutionary thought as James Otis, Patrick Henry, and Samuel Adams. Mm. Um, and then this was one of the Gospel Coalition folks that didn't like Mayhew, and they said Mayhew and many other American ministers, traditionalists and liberal alike, helped feed paranoia about the threat to the American liberty that Noel, as a Christian his, historian, finds unfortunate and unseemly. They helped make the American Revolution and the bloody Civil War in British America more likely. They, they, they think that the Revolutionary War was a civil war and that we, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let me go further. It says, war usually needs sacred sanctions of some kind in order to sustain people's motivations for it. Surely there are some cases, the fight against Nazi tyranny in World War II comes to mind, where ministers can make a strong case for offering such, such sanction but was the American Revolution such a case? Noel has his doubts. So they, they think that the American Revolution was a violation of Romans 13. And what's interesting is they quote Nazi tyranny. And you know how we got the Nazi tyranny is yeah. that German pastors didn't stand up against Hitler. And the most quoted verse in Nazi Germany in World War II that allowed Hitler to rise to power was Romans 13. The one that all of the, what they called uh, Tories and loyalists, these were pastors that yielded to the king and his tyranny. They quoted this one, and what they said, and this is what frustrated Jonathan Mayhew, and this is where you see Reverend King, who is peacefully protesting right, right. And, and violating what a, royal, a, a loyalist or a Tory or you know somebody in Nazi Germany considered him in violation of Romans 13 because he's standing in opposition to tyranny of these authorities. Right. You don't enslave another human being. Right. You don't make him get to the back of the bus. Right. Right. And it says, let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Amen. Now watch this. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to what? Good works. Mm -hmm. But to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for he is God's minister to you for good. Now I want to stop there. It says, but if you do evil, be afraid, for... He does not bear the sword in vain. He's God's minister to uh, execute wrath on those who do evil. You remember that previous quote by Jonathan Mayhew when he said he unkings himself Yes. in tyranny. The king becomes a tyrant and he unkings himself because he's supposed to do good. And, and, and what folks would say, and, and this is what I read earlier. Um, here it is. These folks, these loyalists, these Tories that submitted to King George mm -hmm. and those in Nazi Germany that yielded to Adolf Hitler right. and those that berated Reverend King when he was in a jail in Birmingham, yeah. Alabama, saying that you need to submit to authority. Um, this is what Mayhew did. Mayhew has been characterized by many histori historians as a liberal and radical, and indeed he was. We should, as Americans who today enjoy the fruits of liberty, note that all of America's founding fathers were called liberals and radicals. Mm -hmm. So you're... <laughs> um, by friend and foe alike. In their day, the conservatives were the king's toadies or Tories. Pastors of that day who were loyal to the tyrant king were called royalists and loyalists. They taught unlimited submission and passive obedience in all cases irrespective of how wicked the ruler was and how tyrannical his acts towards his subjects were. 
in our own day, we see strong evidence of that loyalism uh, has returned to the pulpits of America's churches. Many pastors, rather than challenging uh, despotism of corrupt government officials and informing their congregations of the necessity of resisting tyranny, are preaching unlimited submission and passive obedience. And is a rare pastor in our day uh, that would stand in opposition to it. Wow. Now, uh, um, I, 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 I get hit with this all the time. I just preach the gospel. So do I. Yeah, but I submit to authority. Well, but what if they're evil? Well, we, we can't be the judge of that. Says who? And, and he contended with Romans 13 before America was established. And we know what kind of a government we have. We have a constitutional republic, right? Take a look at the next slide, if we could. This is the preamble of the Constitution. The first three words declare who the authority in Romans 13 is. We the people. We the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. These are all critical Christian concepts. Ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense. Provoke the general welfare. Secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. The authority in Romans 13 is those first three words, we the people. Mm -hmm. Then who are these elected officials? Well, it's found in the Declaration of Independence. I don't know if we have that. Here it is. Look, this is the Declaration of Independence, second chapter. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from who? From the consent of the governed. We the people. Absolutely. I don't consent to that. And, and if it's about science, show me the science. You know, I, 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 I understand exactly what page you're on. And, and when you see it through the lens of being forced to do something, it is uh, perceived as an assault on freedom. It's slavery. It's sla Black people understand that. We get that. We from from it, 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 it tatamounts to the one that submit the submissive person and the passive, and then the one who rebels. It's almost it tatamounts to the house Negro and the field Negro. Check this out. <laughs> well, before we do the Uncle Tom thing, and you know, like, yeah, yeah, right. But check this out. In Nazi Germany, these. These pastors that just basically had unlimited submission um, and passive obedience to Adolf Hitler, they got to retain their churches because the government liked them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Martin Niemöller were imprisoned. The martyrs. And, and, yeah. and, and you know where uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer got his edge? You know where he got his education and where he got his edge to contend with Hitler? The black church in America. Mm -hmm. He studied there. Mm -hmm. He took that back and stood in resistance to Adolf Hitler. One of the last directives by Adolf Hitler was to kill Dietrich Bonhoeffer, hang him. Right. And then he shot, Ava Braun shot himself and then, you know, took his sign out. I don't even know I did it. But my point is this. The other pastors, Hitler said, I'm going to take care of your churches. I'm going to take care of your pensions. You get to sing songs. You could do all those things. But Bonhoeffer and Niemöller said, we don't care about that. We're concerned about the soul of Germany. And Hitler said, leave that to me. So when these churches were meeting on Sundays and the rail cars of Jews that would come by, packed to capacity, defecating on themselves, dying, no water, no food, on their way to be gassed and burned, and moaning and they crying out. Nothing. They heard the moaning from the churches on Sunday. You know what they did? They sang louder. Mm -hmm. Churches will meet every Sunday. But the reality is we do have a responsibility to stand in opposition to tyrants. Who, anyone who would enslave or demean another human being, it's critical that we stand in defense of that. Cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet in Zion. Show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. We, we, we are under obligation to speak truth to power. Whatever, whatever comes to us in the 
context or even the spirit of tyranny, we have to speak against it. And and this and, could be an, an awakening and, for America. Yeah, I mean, whether whether it's the COVID or where whether it's Donald Trump and those who blindly um, espouse to that sect of white supremacy and who rally around that, um, there has to be a voice that brings those people to a place of, of um, taking responsibility for their actions. And we have to do that. Whether it's, it's those of us who go overboard with the, with the Black Lives Matter and who, who capture the injustice who who hijacked the the injustice for some other political um, agenda it, it 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 has to be dealt with i am i have been offended on many occasions by the hijacking of the notion or the spirit of black lives matter because my son's life did not matter at that moment. And, and I think that on both sides of the spectrum, if we don't come to terms with being honest and, and forthright about what is and what is not, and not cloak it in hypocrisy for some other agenda, um, you know, we're responsible for not calling people on it. We gotta call people on it. Yeah. And, and I think that something earlier you mentioned about um, people lumping the, the white supremacy, conflating, yeah. conflating the white supremacy, um, systematic racism, um, evangelical, Christians. evangelical Christians, and what and, and insurrection, yeah, insurrection, violent extremists. Yeah. Now, anybody that has any intellect at all should be able to discern. That, this is the narrative now, though. Yeah, but but what I'm saying, there there are enough. That's our job as pastors to We're to probably the only two right now doing that that stuff. that can separate not only from an ethical and moral perspective, but from a biblical perspective. And, 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 and because we have the audience and we have the responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth and to teach the word in context because when you take it out of context, you're conning the text. And the reason why heresy and people use the scripture as justification for their own uh, unjust reasons because we have allowed them to take the scripture out of context for their own benefit, use, and greed. Amen. Then there's, I, I can tell that when I'm talking, there are people out there going, Bishop, you got to interrupt him. And oh, when no, you're no, talking, no. there's people out there going, Rob, you got to interrupt him. <laughs> and and I, I, I love the fact that I don't care what they're thinking. Right. Because I'm listening. Right. Um, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Right? For a reason. I think this could be one of the greatest awakenings in America. You said something telling when I read these things. You said if there's any group of people in America who understand slavery and the cry for freedom, it's the black community. Absolutely. So, so where does liberty come from? Second Corinthians 3 says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Yeah. And that we're to, de we're to declare that and we're to set the captives free. And, and it's critical that we step across political lines because we're prone. And, and the folks out there, when you're talking, they're prone for me saying, you need to defend that. I don't feel that way with you. And you don't feel that way with me and you have the same detractors and the folks that are in your corner. Right. But there's, there's going to be a time, and I'll give you an example. I was speaking to the log cabin Republicans seeking an endorsement. That's the homosexual portion of the Republican Party. 
I'm a white fundamentalist evangelical Christian pastor uh, who believes in traditional marriage and is opposed to gay marriage. And I'm asking for their endorsement. Mm-hmm. Are you? Yeah, I, okay. I, I feel you. I, I was I, a penny looking for change. Right, 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 right. right. And, and, and I was there, but I longed to get to know them because politics is done by addition and multiplication, not by division and subtraction. Right. And I said to that room, I said, how many of you, stop that. No, 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 that was accident. Yeah. <laughs> they just shut off the oxygen in the room. <laughs> no, this is good, stay with me. I'll, 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 I'll get you to bed in a second. Here, here's, here's how it works. I said, how many of you in this room found it harder to come out conservative than you did to come out gay. Wow. Come out conservative in the gay movement, than, and they said, absolutely, to come out gay. I mean, to come out conservative was hard, far, far more difficult. Kids on campus today say, testifying to being Christian is nothing. If you testify to being a conservative on a, on a campus, you're cancel culture, you're done. And that's happening in America. We're losing a narrative. My point is, when I looked at that room of, of men and women and I said, you've held the church responsible for your alienation and for um, being treated with prejudice. And as a pastor running for office, I, I desperately need your help. Because you understand. And you are going to be the ones to defend us. Do you know who defended Baron L. Stutzman, the florist who wouldn't do a... Yeah, yeah. Milo Yannanopoulos. That wedding, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, was, it, it was these gay conservative men defending, and the church wasn't there. And, and, I, and folks are going, well, you can't support... Stop, okay? I'm giving a point. Relax. Right, I have to jump right, in their head to realize right, that. Right. But Rick Grinnell who is one of the president's cabinet members of previous administration, highest ranking, uh, a, a married gay male. As, the, as the, one of the folks was a, uh, addressing me and being frustrated with me in this meeting, stood up and said, stop it. He said, my whole family's evangelical. I would never ask that question of any of my brothers. And, and we need to find commonality instead of you wanting to litmus test him to see if he gets to fit here. Yeah. Yeah. And I turned, I looked at that guy, and I thought, who is this? He would later come, become a, a, a friend. It, it's, it's that kind of, this doesn't fit relationships that need to happen. People need to see this. Yeah. And, and we, have to, we have to, iron sharpens iron. We've got to do this. People need to see us work this out. We didn't go through deep stuff tonight. But folks know. Well, you know, it's... I want the, an awakening the, of freedom. The ultimate is to be profoundly simple and simply profound. Have I failed in both? I don't know. No, 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 no. This, this discussion was simply profound because it scratches where we're itching. And, and we, we have to keep hammering. We have to keep hammering. We have to keep coming back to it. And I believe that ultimately true reconciliation is possible in the body of Christ. I want the church to rise up and do its job so we don't have to deal with this behemoth of a government that is running over all of us. And on a deeper level, it's the hearts of the people who are running the government. And that's where we have to deal with their private thoughts, their private feelings, their private prejudices as they as they make decisions for all of us. I agree. You know, and and the, and the Bible says to pray for kings and those in authority yeah. that we would live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. But when they violate the oath they swore. Have to we got be, to stand against We tyrants. got to. We have to. Is that a, an agreement? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Boom. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought tonight was great. And I don't care if no one else did. I actually do. But 
I'm, what I mean is, I just so enjoyed being with you. Back at you. And, and to have good, open, honest conversation about things that are this sensitive and so relevant to where we are as a nation, and as a church for that matter, uh, is, is so important. We'll so go deeper important. on it and get into some of the, you know, okay. into the valleys and what do they call it, nooks and crannies. Yeah. We'll, we'll deal with that, but I want to keep this going. Absolutely. Deal? Deal. All right. Uh, anything you want to say to the folks? You want to talk about your book? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, 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 just, I just finished uh, this book, a little over 100 pages. It's called Reconciling Broken Relationships. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook, and uh, we'll make sure you get it. What's your Facebook? B.A. Huggins Ministries, or Bishop Broderick Huggins. Or Huggy Bear. Yeah, that, that, that might be a reference, but it, <laughs> <laughs> but Bishop Broderick Huggins or Brother Love, Brother Love, that's a that's a, that'll that'll link it to to. Do it. you know how to do the song "The Lord Bless Thee"? Do you know how to do that? I don't know that song. Oh man, I don't know that song. All right, I, well let's let's do number six. You you read it, and then you and I'll sing a song at the end. Okay. You, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you. Peace. What was the song we sang? Oh, Jesus, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Well, uh, you don't often hear me singing, uh, but I did because he makes me sound good. Uh, make sure that uh, you support his ministry. Look for his book. And Brother Love, thanks for being here. And folks, we'll see you tomorrow night. We got uh, Don't Tell Anyone, and we're not going to broadcast it, but Dr. Judy Mikovits, it's going to be rocking. Tune in. Lots to cover, especially you should listen because it's going to be about the vaccine probably. Oh, I will. All right. All right, we'll see you tomorrow night, everyone. Good night.